Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 103, Pixie Dust. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. Hey, Pete. How are you? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. Well, as promised, we did an episode, I guess it's been a month ago now, a month and a week, or it's been a long time since we did this episode about things Disney's screwing up. So now we're going to go back and we're going to talk about things that Disney is actually doing right. And, and there's a lot of these things. I don't, I don't want anybody to think we're all negative and down on Disney all the time, but it's an expensive place and, and so you want to get your money's worth, right? So we'll go through that tonight. Hopefully we will uh, paint paint Disney in a good as good a picture as we did a bad picture last time. Well, I guess we had the news episode in between in between there, so not our last episode, but the one prior. And yeah, I mean, you always say you save the best for last, so we think the positives are the best. All right, well there you go. Well, before we get into that, uh, let's go to the news. So rolling to the news for this week, we will start in Magic Kingdom. Santa Claus is coming to town now that Thanksgiving is. Well behind us, I guess. Uh, Santa Claus has begun appearing at Town Square Courtyard of the Magic Kingdom from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. And that'll continue all the way through uh, Christmas Eve. I think it's weird. Christmas Day, he's not there. But nevertheless, I won't be there either during Christmas Day because it's wildly crowded. I, I think that's the point. I, th- I think that they figure if they put Santa in there on Christmas Day, like it's going to be a two and a half hour line to see him. So, Or maybe it's because he's in the parade. That's probably it. He's like Mickey. He can only be one one place at a time. Exactly. Exactly. Staying in Magic Kingdom, track installation is now complete for the Tron Light Cycle uh, run. Disney's revealed this week that the final piece of the track for the upcoming Tron Light Cycle run attraction has been officially installed. You can check out uh, a video of it online. Many bloggers and YouTube folks have captured this. And it's kind of exciting. I, I mean, the, the, the attraction doesn't open until 2021. But it sure feels like it's going to open before that, based on how quickly this has gone up. I mean, Pete, when we were there, uh, it was one of the things you commented on, that it looks like it's it's here. Yeah, I mean, they still have a ton of work to do. They still have to build the whole structure of this ride. But yeah, the track itself is in. A lot, lot quicker, I think, than I anticipated it was going to be. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, taking a monorail ride over to Epcot. New Art of Disney Store opening the World Showcase. Uh, Epcot's, Epcot's Heritage Manor and the American Adventure Pavilion is currently being transformed into a brand new location for the Art of Disney. Uh, and it has now been announced that this new, loca- this new location will be open the week of December 16th. So that'll be just in time for the holiday season. I will be down there. Man, I might just miss that actually. Yeah, I would have done Epcot the day prior. So maybe I'll pop over to see it for uh, research purposes, uh, but, but maybe not. Uh, that'll certainly be something we'll, we'll continue to track. Um, opening day has been announced for Beauty and the Beast sing-along, Awesome Planet, and Canada far and wide. Disney's announced a trio of attractions at Epcot that'll be opening early next year. The Beauty and the Beast sing-along, uh, Canada far and wide, and Awesome Planet will be opening January 17th, 2020. So that'll be just in time for Epcot's International Festival of Arts. Are you going to go see any of these? Be honest. Beauty and the Beast, probably. Of the three, I mean that that would be, that would be the one that piques my interest. 
Awesome Planet will probably be pretty good, actually. I have nothing for Canada Far and Wide. I'm sorry for. I mean, it could be it could be good. Yeah, oh, Canada was good. Folks in Canada that listen, I'm sure it's neighbors a great to video. the north. Hmm. Yeah, the neighbors to the north, right? Uh, temporary Starbucks will be opening soon at Epcot as well. Epcot has been without Starbucks for several weeks, which can be catastrophic for some people. Uh, but it looks like, like my wife and your wife. Yeah, both our wives exactly have to have a Starbucks stop when you enter uh, any park at Disney World. But it looks like a temporary Starbucks will be opening on December 20th. It'll be located near uh, the refreshment port. And then eventually there's going to be a permanent location. But obviously Epcot is under quite a bit of construction now. So this is a good move by Disney. And it's probably going to be very profitable too. I think you, I think you can still get Joffrey's coffee though if you're really in desperate need of a fix right now. Yeah, and some people actually – it's funny. The people who don't like Starbucks love Joffrey's. And the people who like Starbucks hate Joffrey's. So, but if you need coffee – Always, uh, you can always get Joffrey's. Uh, Disney's DuckTales World Showcase Adventure will replace the Agent P's World Showcase Adventure. I actually think this is a good idea. Agent P, you know, d- doesn't always relate with some of the older Disney fans, but Disney's DuckTales definitely would. Uh, so Disney's announced that Disney's DuckTales World, Gen- World Showcase Adventure will be the next iteration of the World Showcase Scavenger Hunt. This reimagined adventure invites guests to join Scrooge McDuck, Donald, Launchpad, Webby and the nephews in search of a priceless treasure. You will use the Play Disney Parks mobile app, and guests will take a trip around the World Showcase, discovering exotic destinations, exciting mysteries, and maybe even a few thieves, villains, and more. To make way for this experience, it has been confirmed that Agent P's World Showcase adventure will close sometime in early 2020. Uh, so if that's something that you enjoy doing, and or if Agent P's World Showcase adventure is one of your favorites, you need to get to Disney and do that before it goes away. Man, they're pushing this Play Disney Parks app. Every chance they get. I mean, Galaxy's Edge, obviously, is is probably at the forefront of that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, following up, well, I, I probably could have put this with the Awesome Planet announcement, but the uh, Awesome Planet sign has been installed at the Land Pavilion. It, it's, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe the sign other than, you know, kind of Google it. it. It has a few pictures to illustrate the dynamic story of Earth that, that it's going to uh, share with guests. So that, that's one thing to take note of if you uh, visit the Land Pavilion. I'm going to skip Hollywood Studios news for now and let us let that be the end of the news segment because obviously there's a lot to talk about there. So we're going to go to Animal Kingdom, and that'll wrap us up before Hollywood Studios. So Animal Kingdom, Cali River Rapids refurbishment announced for 2020. I believe the refurbishment is from January 6th to March 20th. So fairly long uh, refurbishment. Uh, the attraction is currently expected to reopen to guests. On March 21st, just in time for Florida's warm weather to return. I think now that we've done the podcast a couple of years, you'll notice a trend with water rides and refurbishments. They typically take place right after the Christmas holiday and the new year because one, it's colder and two, the park, the, the crowd levels begin to uh, dissipate a little bit. So I'm are they not, doing anything to this ride other than touching it up? Or I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's. I don't know if it's long enough for them to do something significant, so I think it's probably just touching it up. But as we get closer and as we're in the middle of the refurbishment, maybe we'll get more details. And uh, last bit of news for Animal Kingdom. Uh, they will get Animal Kingdom, that is, will get extended hours for the holiday season. So they'll be extending their park hours in December and January. And I'm sure they're trying to absorb some of the larger holiday crowds for this. Uh, so let's see. Best way to break this down... December 5th, 23rd, 26th, 30th, and January 2nd through 4th. Uh, they will be opening an hour earlier at 8 a.m. 
And then they will be closing throughout the month of December and into January, anywhere between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. So I don't want to bore you with every single date, but if, if you are interested or going to be in Disney World during those during these two months, you know, maybe check it out online. There's an announcement about their, their updated hours. Uh, first bit of news at Hollywood Studios, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway has gotten an open, opening date. It will open next March. This is Disney's next big attraction. It will, of course, be, you know, Mickey. It'll be, it'll center around Mickey and Minnie. It'll be their runaway railway, and it'll open March 4th, 2020. I know Pete is probably still disgusted with this, but hopefully it lives up to the hype. I'm excited. Apparently they broke the, uh, you remember the old movie theater right before you got on the ride, the great movie ride? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently they broke that into two theaters, and... The way it's going to work is you go in there, you watch this new short, and then the screen opens and you go into the screen to get on the ride. That's that really neat. kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat. And if, if, if this is anywhere in the realm of what they've done with Rise of Resistance, we're, going, we're moving in the right direction. So with that being said, I, I could bore you with the news about Rise of the Resistance now open and opening procedure at changing at Disney's Hollywood Studios. I can I'll give you a brief kind of update of what that means. Hollywood Studios has been overwhelmed by guests wanting to be the uh, first in line each day to sign up for a boarding pass to experience Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance. And, and as take it, take a step back before you get into it and explain the the boarding pass procedure because it, it's a lot different than what Disney's done in the past for uh, for these rides, right? Yeah. So so basically, Disney's not queuing this attraction. So so once you enter the park, uh. In, in short, Disney planned to, to open this on park opening, but the crowds have been so ridiculous that they've been allowing people to go after a quote-unquote boarding pass, which is a potential to reserve a time slot to ride this attraction. There's no guarantee that you getting a boarding pass means you're going to ride the attraction. And it's not really a time slot. It's just you are assigned a number, and then Disney works through the numbers. So, so you know, you're, I mean, what, what's the longest, what's the biggest group number we've seen? So I've I've seen 120 boarding okay. group 120. So so you you you're going to the park at 6 a.m. and that's provided that you have extra magic hours. So if you, if you're not staying in, in the Disney bubble, yeah, you ain't you ain't riding. You're gonna be Rise of Resistance. Yeah, you're not gonna ride Rise of Resistance. And Although I I have heard some people say that they've been able to get a boarding group in the security checkpoint. So that may or may not be true, but. Pretty much you need to be in the park, and, and not only you need to be in the park, every member of your party needs to be in the park to get a boarding pass, or a boarding group. Yeah, I mean, th- these boarding passes are quote-unquote selling out before the park officially opens. So, you know, basically you go in at 6 a.m., you go on the My Disney Experience app, There, it's right there in the middle where you can find out more, you can enter to get a boarding pass if they are available. Typically, I have seen them being sold out by 7.30 in the morning, yeah, I think seven. I think eight o'clock, eight thirty, eight thirty is the absolute latest that I've seen them still available. And and now that that is when the park opens at nine. Yeah, and that and again that doesn't give that doesn't guarantee you're going to ride the attraction. Say they have some some malfunctions on the attraction earlier in the day, they're going to give those people that already had boarding passes ahead of you the opportunity to ride it later. And you just enjoy you just enjoy the park and you wait for your boarding pass number to be called. And it's different. I, I think I saw. I think I saw a tweet. Somebody said that uh, 
Rise of the Resistance has turned Hollywood Studios into a into a 37 minute park. Took it from a half day park to a 37 minute park because there's literally no lines for any. They're open in the park at 6 a.m. or quarter to six, and there's no lines for anything else. But you can't go queue for Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, this is where it's unique. I mean, Flight of Passage. If you wanted to ride it, you could get in a five hour queue and ride it. Disney wasn't gonna, you know, they're gonna let you ride it. This is this is a different ball game. I mean, I'm nervous. I'll, I'll be at Disney World. I can say I'll be at Hollywood Studios next week, and we're staying on property. And I mean, I, I've kind of told Pete that that I'm going to plan to be there at, at 5:30, 6 a.m. And if my party wants to sleep in, which is totally fine. I mean, I, that's cool. I mean, I really want to ride this attraction. And so uh, it's I don't, I don't want to spoil anything about the attraction. All I will tell you is that there have been a range of emotions from people coming off of it, none of which are negative. You've seen crying, laughing, a round of applause. It's incredible. So here's my problem, because you know I'm going to have an issue. I think I think Disney has really screwed up the opening of this ride for two reasons, and and not for what you might think. The first reason is I don't I don't think this ride was ready to open with as many technical difficulties as they've had, as many times as this ride has shut down. I mean, it went down three or four times on opening day. I don't think this ride was ready to open. So that's my that's my first problem with this is that you you don't you don't put this ride out there knowing is how popular it's going to be without testing the the fool out of it right and having soft openings and having cast member previews and having AP previews and having DVC previews and making sure that this ride can take the crowds before you open it so that's problem number one problem number two is that I I like this boarding group system that Disney's got. But they did a very poor job of implementing it. Nobody knew anything about this until literally the day before the ride opened. How how you know they were going to get on there? Well, people were in there the morning of, not realizing that they were going to queue you to Smuggler's Run, not Rise of Resistance. So, so that was another. People, I mean, issue. people got there. People got there at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, expecting to go wait in line for Rise of the Resistance. Only to be told, well, there is no line. They have these boarding passes. So Disney did a really poor job spreading the word on this and announcing this. I, again, I like the system. I think the system's great because it's like another fast pass, right? You, you get, you know, you can use your three fast passes and you get this fast pass for Rise of the Resistance. When when it's your turn to get on, they send you a, a push notification to the app and you get a two-hour window to get to get back there. So I think that works great. You know, it, it keeps the wait from being three hours, four hours, five hours, whatever it is. But like you said, it really does take away the opportunity for somebody not staying on property to get on the ride. And, and rightfully so, right? I mean, Disney wants to push that. But, you know, this is where it's right now. This is where I feel bad. It, it takes away the opportunity for the family of four who don't want to don't want to do all the research and just want to go have a holiday. Or vacation. And I, that's exactly, I know where you're going and that's it exactly what I was going to say. Them, the opportunity to do this. But here's the problem, Tom. If, if you are going to Disney at this time and you don't know that Rise of the Resistance is opening, you're an idiot for planning your vacation this time. No, I disagree. You, you could have planned this well before the date of Rise of Resistance ever came out, their opening date ever came out. Okay. Well, so stay away from Rise of the Resistance. I mean, nothing is, nothing is saying. Yeah, you know, I think that's fine. But, but then walk in a park and say, oh, there's a new attraction. Oh, but we can't ride it. That would be, that would be frustrating. But again, if, if you're going to Disney 
now. So you have this family that goes into Disney totally unsuspecting and hasn't done any research. Does that person really exist anymore? I think absolutely. You, you really think so? I go places sometimes if it's not Disney and whatever. I'll find my way. Yeah, I, I guess. But I, I, I just find it hard to believe that there's anybody that hasn't done their research going to Disney. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to believe and, that. And that I mean, here's, one, here's another thing I'll say. If you are the family of four, well, one, you're not listening to this podcast probably, but you, you, you may, you know, it's kind of like what, what Pete and I have talked about before. You don't know what you don't know. So going to Hollywood Studios is, okay, there's a new attraction and, oh man, well, we can't ride it, but you have the benefit of every other attraction having a, a low wait time. So you can still or have no a fantastic day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking about Slinky Dog right now, for example, never getting above 40 minutes. Yeah. Which is... I mean, if, if you go first thing in the morning... Walking on. If, if you go at 6 a.m., you're walking on. Multiple times. I mean, I, I think someone said they rode Tower of Terror nine consecutive times. That, that reminds me of our Everest 13 yeah, I mean, times that, in a row. And that was fun. I mean, we, we that was a blast. So this is what... So I'm going to, I'm going to Disney World two times in, the, in, in... One in December, one in January. And I've told... Uh, we're going to go with, with my wife and her family on one trip and my family on one. And I've told my wife and, and her family that, hey... We're going to go to Hollywood Studios for the one day we're doing Disney because of Galaxy's Edge. But I told him, hey, no promises. Like, I, we can get there at 6 a.m. And I, I don't know that we'll get boarding passes. But I will tell you, if we strike out on boarding passes, we're going to be able to do everything else. And we don't even have any fast passes made for the January trip yet. But we're, well, I'm not worried about it. So, so. anyway, I, I think, you know, going, going back to my original point, I, I think Disney did a poor job rolling this out. I like what they are doing, but the communication was, was very poor. Agreed? Agree, hundred percent. I, I do think Disney's at fault in that realm because even your biggest Disney World fans, your bloggers, your vloggers, they didn't know. I mean, we didn't know until the night before. Yep. I mean, it, and, and we we literally have been talking about this daily. And I have watched a ride video, so I, I I'm trying to not talk very much. Yeah, I, I have too. And all I'll say that is that it's imp- it's very impressive. I'll put it like this: it, it, one way or the even other, even the videos. I am riding this attraction next week. Yeah, whatever somehow. it takes. You'll get there it, at five o'clock. If I don't get to do it, if I don't get to do it the day that we're scheduled for Hollywood Studios, I'll go another day. Like I'm, I'm considering going the day before we're scheduled for Hollywood Studios to make sure I do it. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. So leave it with this: if you plan on riding Rise of Resistance in the next, I would say two months, get get there at six a.m. Even though the park doesn't open at nine until one thi- nine. One thing I want to add: uh, when they first rolled this out. I don't think Disney was anticipating being overwhelmed in the way they were. And people that really, I mean, people like, you know, people like you all who listen, who understand how to, how to work my Disney experience, were getting there early, riding it. Right when they scanned in with their boarding pad, their boarding group, they'd grab another one. And that also, I didn't, I, I'm, as many times as Pete laughs, we rode Expedition Everest nine times. I don't think people should be able to ride this twice in a day. And Disney agreed. You no longer will be able to ride it multiple times. You will be able to get one boarding group opportunity, and that's it. So don't think that you can get there at six, scan, and it's like you know, like when you, how you grab another fast pass. That they've they will block you from from being able to do that now. So that was it. That that's uh, and that and that wraps it up for the news. I mean, I knew the bulk of our news would be discussing Hollywood Studios. We could probably do a whole entire episode on Rise of Resistance if we were a spoiler podcast. But that uh, that's it for the news. We'll talk about it eventually. All right, so with that, let's hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando. 
and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Okay, so let's get into some of the things that we think Disney is doing right. And, and some of these are, I mean, kind of repeats of things Disney's doing wrong. And it's, it's funny how that works out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, uh, I think we kind of alluded to that in the doing wrong episode because there were some sides of it where I was, like, uh, I don't want to ruin, one of them, for example, I, I actually addressed as a negative where I don't think Pete has ever had a negative experience with it. So it's probably a positive for Pete because when this certain something works well, it is much better than the former system that was in place. And Pete probably knows exactly which one I'm alluding to. But that, that's how this list is kind of going to work. Yeah, so let's let's dive right into it. And I, I think the biggest thing that Disney does right, and, and I think this really adds to every experience that you'll have at, at Disney World, Disney knows how to hire and train employees that that really love working at Disney World. And and it that, that's hard, right? I mean, think about... Think about going to a fast food restaurant. Think about going to a Starbucks. I mean, there's one fast food restaurant that I can think of, and it's Chick-fil-A, duh, that everybody acts like they're happy to see you there. Now, I can't say that we've I've never had a awful, I mean, I've never had any negative experience with Disney cast members, but I've never had an, a downright awful experience with Disney cast members. I mean, they're they're generally very helpful. They're generally there to 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 serve whatever needs you you want. And if you're wrong, they're going to tell you you're wrong. So nothing jumps out to me from an in-person experience with the Disney cast member. I have had frustrating experiences when trying to link a Disney resort hotel that's off property, kind of, you know, a Disney Springs resort area hotel. And and I only had one cast member that just didn't seem helpful. But for the most part, one of our complaints in our in our Disney Needs to Improve episodes was that we think they need to hire more full-time cast members and get get away from hiring such a large percentage of college uh, intern intern program their, with their college program cast members. But what, regardless, I will say in person, I, I can't think of an example, an egregious example that sticks out to me as a negative experience. I mean, there's a reason that large corporations ask Disney World to come train them on how to find, how to find people, hire and train people. It's because they do it better than anybody else in the business. Chick-fil-A, we, everyone's always said, at least in the region of the country we live in, that Chick-fil-A is a step above with fast food. And and you go there, you know your food's going to be right, you know you're going to be treated with respect, and you're going to treat them with respect in turn. Same thing at Disney World. You go to any other theme park, it's not going to be as clean. The cast members aren't going to be as helpful. They're not going to make it as easy as possible. They're not going to put you in the Disney bubble. All that goes into creating the magic of Disney World, and that's why they can they have people like you listening to this podcast, and they have people like Pete and I putting on a podcast, because... 
their experience they've given us has made us so passionate enough that we want to talk about it. And I don't want to give the wrong impression. Everybody has bad days, right? I mean, you you can't expect a person to put on a happy face and be happy and and magical all the time. But but Disney does a pretty good job of it. Even even people that you can tell may not be having their best day, they're still friendly. They're still helpful. So I think that's I think that's big. I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, is it a certain type of person that they look for? Is it the discipline that they use? I think Disney has the advantage because of how neat of a place it is. They have people that actually want to work there. They grow up saying, I want to be a Disney cast member, whatever role that may be. But I, I agree. I You know, we, we talk about how much fun. Like when I, we go to Disney, I try to thank a cast member for every experience we have to make sure that their day is going well because – Unfortunately, it is expensive, and sometimes stress levels run high where adults feel like they're not getting their bang for their buck, and they're very rude to these cast members. And for them to maintain the positive attitude and the customer service and not treat me poorly because Pete went ahead of me and was rude to them, that – I don't know. It's, it's, it's truly impeccable. And that's kind of where I was going on this too is that these cast members not only you know, create magic on, on a daily basis, right? They – you know, they're empowered to, to do guest recovery. They're empowered to, you know, you drop your ice cream cone, they give you a new ice cream cone, you know, that, that sort of stuff that you expect. But they are also, like you said, they're, they're regardless of the experience that the person in front of you just had, or that they just had with the person in front of you, they're, they're, they're going to be friendly. And you're right, people spend a lot of money on these vacations. And, and so tensions do tend to run high when something goes wrong. I, I can remember my mother who you know I would never expect this of, but and this was when fast passes were first introduced. Maybe Disney was working some of the hiccups out. I I don't really remember, but my mother was pretty upset at a cast member because they kept letting the fast pass line go in front of us, which is the whole point of fast pass. But she got a little snippy with a cast member, and the cast member gently explained to her, you know what what the process was. I have seen people absolutely berating cast members and the cast members maintaining their composure and doing everything in their power to help. So I, I think that speaks worlds to the training that they get, go through and the sort of empowerment that the average employee has to be able to fix these problems. Yeah, no, I, I listen, it's, it's one of the things that, that separates Disney and they continue to excel in this. Do I think they need to hire more full-time people? Absolutely. Give people benefits, increase their pay, a lot of things where they could do better here. Yeah, that's the one thing I would criticize is, I mean, you know you have people that, that want to work at Disney and that love working at Disney. Maybe pay them a little bit better because from from what I've heard, and I've, I've never been a Disney cast member, we do know some Disney cast members, but you know, the hourly employees don't get paid very well. No doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, another positive that I think has been a welcome change, even for the chicken strips and fries guy, is the food has expanded and become more adventurous. Satuli Canteen sticks out to me, but even a lot of the food in Animal Kingdom Lodge, the food in Boma that's offered, is not your traditional buffet-styled theme park. Uh, You know, I don't want to call it a quick service because it's certainly nicer than that, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, there are unique offerings uh, throughout the Disney World resorts and theme parks now. That's a... A huge change. I mean, you look at some of the creations they have in Galaxy's Edge. The food's improving. It's not a hamburger and hot dog kind of place anymore. You look at what they have at Baseline, the charcuterie board there. That used to not be at Disney World. 
they're adapting and growing here. Yeah, I would say 20 years ago, if, if Disney had opened Star Wars Galaxy's Edge 20 years ago, probably the most adventurous thing you would get is, uh, you know, they'd, they'd put a cheeseburger on the menu and they'd call it a Bantha burger or, or something something ridiculous like that, right? I mean, now you're right. You look at a, a Satouli Canteen and it's it's a little bit expanded beyond the typical theme park food, which you would expect. Again, you can still find the cheeseburgers. You can still find the chicken tenders. But for those of us that are a little bit more adventurous, those of us being me, not you, Tom, you've got food and wine. You've got some, I don't want to say exotic dishes because there's nothing too crazy out there. You know, even even a Satouli Canteen is just chicken and noodles when, when, when you boil it down. But there is a little bit a little bit more adventurous food out there. And I think it's been well-received. I wish it were a little bit cheaper because- well, yeah, That's what I was going to say though. Okay, so I was, I was going to get to that point. On money, and before we say it needs to be cheaper, here went my thought in my head. What I was going to say: if a burger, what's a? I think a burger and fries is like fourteen dollars, like Cosmic Rays. And what what you get at Satuli is what nineteen somewhere in that ballpark, somewhere right around there. Yeah, what you get at Satuli is worth five dollars more to me if the burger is going to be fourteen. Yeah, exactly. If the burger is going to be fourteen, but if that burger really costs Disney a dollar and thirty cents. Yeah, can it be eight? Yeah, <laughs> could it could it be eight or could it be ten? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's no, I agree though. Ba- if, based on Disney pricing, yeah, I don't. I think Satouli Canteen is worth the extra five dollars per person versus the burger and fries you can get at Cosmic Rays. It is expensive. It, it is, but even the restaurants that I mean, you think of the mainstays. You think of a La Cellier. You think of whatever in any restaurant at Disney is is evolving right they're not sticking with the same five things that have been on the menu for the past 30 years they they recognize that people's tastes are changing and, and they do make changes to menus and they do close restaurants revamp them and reopen them with new menus that that happens a lot and i think that's a really good thing I mean, nobody wants to go eat at a restaurant that's that's crappy i wish they would do it to the the mexico pavilion why? But but they they do take that message and they and they do run with that in in a lot of cases. So I think I think I, we joke. I mean I do enjoy chicken strips and fries, but I also I mean I can be a foodie in some respects for some of the restaurants I like to eat at. And I think Disney is now realizing a Disney vacation is tiring, and for for Pete and I, it's it's breakneck pace. We can eat quick service meals, whatever. But some people want to go relax at Disney and eat a really good meal. And they're trying to expand that because I think when we started this podcast, even whatever, three years ago, however long that was, Pete wouldn't have said Disney had great food. But now we're starting to find little pockets where it is really good food. Look at Disney Springs. Look what they've done in that area. Yes. And, and we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But imagine if you, if you are a, a person who has never been to Disney World before or hasn't been to Disney World in, in 10 years and you go to a restaurant and you have crappy food. What is that what is that going to do to your impression of of food at Disney World? Right? So, I think it's good in in the sense that, that Disney is changing these restaurants, is evolving, is removing things from the menu that are unpopular or, or perceived as not good and adding in more choices. No, I'm right there with you. Definitely definitely a positive for for us. I mean, those are things that that we we enjoy. And yet a dovetail on on what you said, Disney Springs. I I can remember going to I guess it would have been downtown Disney back 20 years ago, 18 years ago, however long that was. 
it didn't seem like there was a whole lot there. Well, I mean, there was a section that I liked, and it was Disney Quest, and that was it. And I'm sure, you know, some of that comes with age, but man, the, the I don't even want to call it a renovation, because the reimagined Disney Springs has changed, in my opinion, from somewhere like, hey, if you have an extra day on your vacation, or you want to kill a few hours, maybe go over there, too, you should probably plan into your vacation going to Disney Springs for an afternoon, or an entire Yeah, day. I agree. I agree. I mean, there's... How many restaurants are there? There's a ton of restaurants. Yeah, we talk. If I mean, we're talking food specifically, while we're on that for now, I mean, that that was kind of what I was thinking. You talk about the Cre- Enzo's, uh, the Edison. It's two very different, unique restaurants to their own. Jock Lindsay's. I mean, they're all. It, it's just. It's well themed. It's not Disney being poured down your throat if you're not a huge Disney fan. And the food's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you can you can go and have a very nice meal. At at, uh, at Disney Springs, and and a lot of people do, and and think of the popularity too. That think back 15, 20 years ago, how how crowded was Disney Springs? It really wasn't. There were some restaurants there, there was some shopping, but nothing like you've got now. Now you've got you know you can go spend an afternoon shopping. You've got the Void over there. You've got Cirque du Soleil. You've got the NBA experience. I guess if you're really desperate to do something, you've got all the restaurants. You've got all the restaurants that are over there. there are I mean, bars. you can just you can walk around and and bar hop, and there's a ton to see just walking around. There's live music on that stage a good bit. There's all kinds of acts coming through there. You have the where you can get in the cars on the water, little the, the cars that are actually boats. You have the hot air balloon, and I would I would add in the boardwalk with this as well because I think that yeah. the boardwalk has really grown and changed a lot over the years. You've you've got the the old standbys, right? You've you've got Jelly Rolls that's been there forever. Feels like forever, right? Yeah, but but you've got some new things added in. You've got Abracadabra that's been that's been added in there. There there is a lot that has changed at the boardwalk, and and not to the extent that we've seen Disney Springs. But I like the fact that this really seems like an area of focus for Disney World. It's a place to kind of escape the Disney bubble, but not really. Yeah, no doubt, because you have the world of Disney. You know, smack in your face, redone, redesigned. And don't forget, you have the Disney Plus information kiosk yeah. that uh, <laughs> is there for some. You have, the, you have the Lego store. No, I mean, Disney Springs is awesome. I mean, I, and I'm now thinking more of exotic things. Or you have Paddlefish, you have Rainforest Cafe, you have the, man, the live music. Deluxe Burger. Yeah, Deluxe Burger. But I'm thinking, uh, man, they have, I, I can't think, it's Blues, not Blues Club. What is that place called? The House of Blues. House of Blues. There you I, go. I was mixing up two things in my head that are both in in uh, the state where, where I'm from. But anyway, no, I think Disney Springs and Boardwalk both have have grown exponentially, and they are places that I mean, we we actually have the debate quite often when we go to Disney. Okay, what do you guys want to do? Do y'all want to go to the Boardwalk? Do you want to go to Disney Springs, or do you want to go to the Polynesian Trader Sam's? And Trader Sam's, you know, we're not talking about that now. That's a positive that that I don't know, we don't have on the list. But that's that's how. And at one point, we never would have considered either. No, I mean, and look, that comes with, that is a luxury, right? It's a luxury of us going to Disney as much as we do. Because, you know, if if I'm going once a year, if I'm going once every five years, I'm I'm doing Disney, I'm going to the parks open, I'm staying till close, right? And that's all I'm doing. But there is this whole world at at Disney Springs outside of the parks that as we've gone down more, we've started to explore. And I mean, you guys are taking a day in the middle of your next trip to just resort hop and go to Disney Springs, right? Yeah, I don't really know how it's going to shake out. You know, I know we're, we're going to get down there the night before our, our 
before my mom's ticket actually kicks in. And we're definitely going to do Disney Springs that night because the other day that we have in the middle of our trip that's just kind of an off day, we have a dinner reservation at the Polynesian at at, uh, Ohana. So if we want to see Disney Springs at night, which I think they do for the Christmas tree trail, that'll be the first night. But I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll go to the boardwalk that day. Maybe we'll resort hop all day. And maybe we'll go to Disney Springs again. Maybe it'll be that much stuff we want to see during the day as well. I don't know. Now, another one that that we alluded to in our last episode, I think I made a joke about it, so we didn't necessarily spend time. Epcot, there's always a festival going on at Epcot. Well, I think that's a positive, personally. I think going to Epcot, the traditional World Showcase, is fantastic. You could have just the World Showcase, no problemo, no complaints from me. However, each festival adds a different spin. They're constantly changing out what kind of food items are there, drink items are there, what kind of booths are there. So it's it's always a little bit different. We can, you know, we did the food and wine festival again this year. From the last time Pete and I did food and wine to this time, it was different. There were new booths added. There were some taken away. There were some food items you could get. There were some you couldn't get. And again, no complaints. It's because it's it changes it and it makes it a little bit different. So every trip's kind of unique. I'm doing the the festival of it's not is it festival of the lights? Festival of the holiday. I've done that in the past. That'll be different this year. Uh, the, there's the flower and garden festival, tons of, uh, ton, tons of things going on at Epcot. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, what, what this does is it makes Epcot into a different park, depending on what time of year you go. Because like you said, these festivals are constantly changing. They're constantly evolving. And yeah, I mean, you go to flower and garden. It's a, it's a very different park than it is at food and wine or festival, festival, festival of the holidays. There's there's a lot of there's a lot just a lot of different things that are added for each one. So I think this is a positive thing. I mean, there's you'll hear people talk about oh, Epcot's the festival park. They've always got something going on, but it, it it's it's kind of to me it's like adding a new attraction to to this park every time you go. I mean, who wouldn't like that at, at Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios? There's something new to experience every time you go back. Hey, listen, I bet if, if four times a year Magic Kingdom had a different nighttime parade that, that you didn't have to pay an add-on ticket to experience, people would be excited. I mean, I, I understand there's there's a very, there's a parade for, there's Boo to You, and then there's, uh, during Mickey's Very Merry, there's a parade. But the, to me, this is like seeing a new parade. And it comes with your park admission ticket. You don't have to do anything differently to experience what each festival brings to the table. Look at all the live music that was here during Food and Wine this year. Yeah, Tom, you got lost, I mean, listening to live music. Right. And and we also, I mean, yeah, that was Gabby Barrett, the American Idol contestant. But then you had, you know, while I was there, uh, who sang Father of Mine? Everclear. Everclear was there yeah. when I was there one night. And, and you had Hanson there the night before we went last time, which these aren't the premier bands of the world today. But for most of our listeners, they know who both those bands are. So... I don't know. I think Epcot does a ton. I'm really excited to go for Festival of the Holidays. It's not food and wine's my favorite. I wouldn't. I'm not going to be bashful about that. But Festival of the Holidays has its own different twists. And as the you know the weather changes now, we don't get all the seasons in Orlando like uh, I think they wish sometimes. But as the weather changes, the food offerings change. Different drinks become appealing during different times of the year. Different food becomes appealing then. So I, I, it's a it's a big positive for me. You know, and I think I I think Flower and Garden is my favorite because it's it's the right time of year. It's it's kind of in the spring, so it's a little bit cooler, and it's just like food and wine, except the crowds aren't there. You think about yeah. food and wine, you think about the long lines at the booths. Flower and Garden has a lot of the same. I won't say the same stuff, but they have a lot of that type 
you know, food yeah, similar booths, offerings. Very similar offerings, but the lines aren't there like you get at uh, at food and wine. Well, yeah, I don't know. We, I, I, it's hard. Food and wine is definitely my favorite, but you do battle the crowds. You do battle the crowds. Yes, yeah, you definitely battle the crowds. And again, this goes into what we talked about on things Disney screwing up the, the drunks at Epcot. I mean, this is that's a result of of this to some extent. Yeah, so it, we kind of we're kind of playing on both sides here. You know, I don't think the re, you know I don't think the fix is getting rid of the festivals though. The festivals are great. I think the fix is creating some sort of a ticket or or you know because everybody's limits a little different. I don't know. I don't know what the fix is. Yeah, I, I that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But going along with that, you know, Disney or Epcot obviously has rotating festivals. I think Disney does a, and this is kind of a two parter for me. First off. I want to I want to just touch on the landscaping and the groundskeeping. This really transports you wherever you are in the parks. I mean, I mean, if you think about think about the landscape now, think about all the trees that used to be at Magic Kingdom that are now gone. But but think about the landscaping at Epcot, even you know during Flower and Garden Festival. Think about all the landscaping at the resorts. Think about going into Pandora World of Avatar from. You know, Africa or Asia at uh, at Animal Kingdom. It's crazy how much time and effort goes into that, and and how that really sets the scene for you know where you are at the parks. Yeah, so the landscaping is one of the most impressive things. It always has been to me, and I think it's it kind of sticks with the to me with festivals and how those change. The landscaping changes, and Disney, the, one they're really good at making you see what they want you to see. With landscaping, which but I will say that they've gotten lazy on that, and and as they build bigger and bigger rides, it's getting harder and harder for them. Yeah, you're thinking sight lines. You, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking yeah. sight lines are, are getting really bad with some of these uh, with some of these attractions that are getting built. Well, we'll get into that here in a minute. That that's one of our positives too, which you guys are probably like, what? How in the world is that going to be a positive? But the landscaping and and everything that Disney does to kind of set the scene and set the mood for you is like nothing else, and then. I I, talk, I I hit this point already. Decorations, specifically around holidays, not just Christmas. I mean, the Halloween season, the Thanksgiving season, but I mean especially Christmas. They and are. We talked really, about this a little bit last episode, right? They're All really the, good. You know, the Tree of Life Awakenings, the Hollywood Tower Hotel, the projection mapping. I, I wish that at Magic Kingdom they would expand those de- Main Street and and the Hub area. Look amazing. I wish that were expanded out a little bit into Fantasyland, into Tomorrowland, and it is a little bit. So you have, but the, I you wish have the Jingle were, Cruise. So that, that kind of takes care of Adventureland for me. But I wish that were expanded out a little bit more at Magic Kingdom. You know, thinking park to park again. They're doing Christmas in Pandora now, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see. I don't. I don't know. You get fake snow in Hollywood Studios now. Yeah, it does snow in Hollywood Studios. I don't know if I've ever done seen the rest of Animal Kingdom at uh, at, at the holidays. But Epcot, you know, also, and and then the resorts. I mean, they deck out these resorts, especially if you look at the flagship resorts. If you look at the Grand Floridian, or if you look at the Contemporary. I mean, they really do a good job decorating these resorts for uh, for for the holidays. Fort Wilderness is another one that that. Disney doesn't specifically do it, but a lot of the people who go stay there. I mean, it's a, it, you need to go rent a golf cart and look at this. I mean, it, it is a sight to see at night. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that the, the decorations during the holidays, could they could they do more? Are there more holidays they could do? I, I don't know. 
But I, I think this really, to me, makes Disney – this, this to me, is the reason or one of the main reasons why you go to Disney during the holidays is to see these decorations. It's, it's, the same, it's the same for me as, you know, why I associate Christmas with New York City. You know, yep. Because it's it's kind of the same. Everything's decorated. Maybe it snows. Obviously, it's not going to snow in Orlando, but but kind of the same feeling I get. Disney World at Christmas time, you know that it's going to be it's going to be well decorated, and it's just going to be kind of magical. But what I wanted, I, I do want to make sure we make this clear. When you say this is something Disney's doing right and doing well, it's because of the expand that they've expanded this Christmas, especially at one point it was Magic Kingdom pretty much that had all the Christmas, and the other parks were just kind of left alone. Now. I mean, I, I don't, Magic Kingdom may not even be the best decorated one for Christmas. Magic Kingdom's not even the only one with Christmas shows now. Right. Right? I mean, right. You've, you've got uh, the the Tree of Life at Animal Kingdom. You've also got Jingle Bell, Jingle Bam at uh, Hollywood Studios, which isn't great, but it's something, right? I could take it or leave that one. So, yeah, you're right. I, I think the expansion of this this decorating is is really what Disney's doing right. Not that they've not done right in the past, but... So another thing that's going to be was was a was a negative for me, and we'll get into more of this with with our next episode with the going to Disney with the group. But the My Disney Experience app, Pete has a, Pete Pete has a resounding positive review of this. Well, I, I want to go back, and and I want to think I want you to go back and think, you know, to your first couple of Disney trips. And I know that that your your parents did a lot of the planning, right? So you didn't have to plan a lot. But but think back to. When did they when did they introduce FastPass? So Disney introduced FastPass in 1999. So were you guys going you guys were going before then, right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So think back then, think about how did you make dining reservations? So you're I mean everything was by phone. Everything was by phone. How did you make phone reservations? I mean, or room reservations. You had to call. Maybe maybe there was some internet back then, but not a ton. Probably not. Everyone was that savvy. So everything was done on the phone or, or via a travel agent. And then how did you make plans in the park? How did you know what you were doing when? How did you know you what wait time? You had to go find were? the wait board. You had to, you had to go find the wait time board. Chalk and eraser. Exactly. And see what, what wait times look like. Or you had to go to the attraction and look at the wait times on the individual attractions. So thinking back to then, and and – so that's before FastPass. That's pre-FastPass. So now let's let's jump forward to 99 and let's think about FastPasses. Okay? So you're walking into Magic Kingdom at Rope Drop. What's the first thing you're doing? Racing whatever attraction that may be to print a FastPass. Exactly. You're sprinting to Space Mountain. Or We're probably sprinting- sending one person in our party to do that with all four Magic, with all four Key to the World cards. And exactly. the other part of the family is going to wait in, wait in a queue somewhere. Exactly. So really, how convenient is that? It's not at all. Now, this system is not without its hiccups. Don't get me wrong. The app crashes sometimes. It's frustrating to use sometimes. But I will argue that having your entire schedule right there, you know, me being able to grab everybody in our party, get a FastPass reservation for them without having to grab their magic bands, go to a kiosk. I mean, I can remember... Doing fast passes at fast pass kiosks, you know, when they were just the individual fast pass kiosks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bef- before before you could do it from the app, and that was frustrating too. Yeah, no, we've come a long way. I want it's a positive. I, I'm just, I, it's more the the hiccups that you re- experience can be really frustrating, but it's because I've gotten used to it being so good, 
and with a small group, it's much easier to navigate. So this is, this is, this is, I agree, Disney, if we're talking about they're going in the right direction, this is the right direction. I don't want to go back to paper fast passes. And I would probably tell you the right direction even a step further is to charge for fast passes. But that's a whole, that's a whole nother, a whole nother can of worms to open. I think that this is a huge positive. Disney has obviously invested a lot of money in this. And think about it. you're staying at a at a resort on property. You literally can leave your room with your magic band. That's it. You can get back in your room. You can get into the parks. You can buy food. You can buy souvenirs. You can do everything you want with just that magic band and your phone because can't go anywhere without your phone now. But but you don't need your phone to get in your room. You just need your magic band. You don't need your Correct. phone to get into the park. You just need your magic band. Now, fast passes is where you need your phone. And, and that's huge. But being able to make dining reservations and swap dining reservations on the fly, being able to look at, okay, here's the schedule of my day. Here's the three fast passes that I have scheduled. Here's my lunch reservation. Here's what time the parade is that I want to uh, I want to watch. Here's my dinner reservation. Oh, and then I'm going to go see Fantasmic at 8 o'clock. But not only that, being able to look at wait times and being able to plan where you're moving in the park without having to go to a central area or to go to the individual attractions. And that's, I would take just an app for wait times. Yeah, no doubt. No, I, th- I think, I think Disney is moving in the right direction here and it does in- increase the ability to be efficient in the park and saves your steps a little bit. Cause you're already walking enough. I don't, I don't save any steps. I'm going, I'm going corner to corner a whole lot. I, I can't tell you for some reason, I seem to always go from Space Mountain to, or from Splash Mountain to Space Mountain or, or vice versa. It always seems to happen. Tell me about it's it. A I've long been there walk. with you. <laughs> now, I think the last thing that we have for doing right, and this is probably appropriate to be the last one, because we talked about in our episode, last episode, it's a theme of what's going on at Epcot, but really it's going on everywhere at Disney World, with the exception of, of Animal Kingdom, probably right now, construction. Yes, it impacts sight lines. That's what Pete was alluding to earlier when I said that Disney does a great job of pointing you in the direction they want you to see. And he's, it's becoming more challenging because of the attractions they're upgrading. While that can be a negative from a sightline standpoint, it's an extreme positive because it shows that Disney is investing back into the parks where maybe some people feel like they neglected the parks at the time, but there's no question around them neglecting parks today. They're investing an incredible amount of money to bring more thrilling attractions, especially to the parks, and really all four parks. Hollywood Studios is getting a, it got a huge bump between Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge. Animal Kingdom got a massive bump with Pandora. Epcot is obviously getting the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, along with additional less thrilling. It's going to be a new park. It's going to be a new park. And then Magic Kingdom is getting Tron, which is desperately needed in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, we talked about this on the last episode. You think back to the 90s and the early 2000s, nothing changed at Disney World for like 20 years. I mean, they did maintenance. Maybe they added a couple of rides here and there. but And maybe that's not fair to say, but there was a long time where, where things didn't change. So yeah, I, I agree. I think the fact that they're, they're putting the money into, uh, into construction, I mean, it's a pain. Epcot, Epcot is not pretty right now. It's it's a pain to get around. It's a pain to get where you're going, but it, it'll be all for the better when it gets done. You know, look at Hollywood Studios. Look at how bad Hollywood Studios has been for the past two or three years. And Galaxy's Edge is the best thing Disney has done that I've seen. But you have to go through that pain to to get it. 
So I, I understand. I'm glad that they're making the investment. I hope that they continue to do that. And I think they're going to have to continue to do that to, to keep up with the Universal Studios. Yeah, no, I, it, it's it's very exciting, and it is a, a big do well for us because once once Disney World's fiftieth gets here, it's gonna be brand, it's gonna be a lot of new, a lot of new stuff to uh, to see, and hopefully, a fifth gate is in the future because a lot of people yeah. have complained about the construction in the current parks, but it needed to be done. But I'll tell you one thing: they could build an entire fifth gate, and not impact any of the guest experience after Disney's fiftieth, and then have a whole new air land a whole new park for people to explore uh, once that once that opens or they could just keep increasing prices until uh you know till they cut attendance down to where it's uh it's not crowded anymore yeah well then then we won't be able to go anymore we'll we'll, fig- we'll find a way life life finds a way but yeah the, the hopefully i i don't remember our exact list of i think we called them oas i don't remember how many there were hopefully hopefully we had more or close to more positives well, we did have a couple that were negatives on there that were, were positives also. So, all right. Anything else on this? That does it for me. All right. Well, let's move on to the trivia question and secret for this week. So, the secret of the night. This is, it's kind of funny because Pete just mentioned prices. Did you know at one point Disney World admission was cheaper than a bottle of water today? Yes. You could actually get into Walt Disney World for $3.50 for a one-day ticket. And today, that is what you're spending on a bottle of water. So, uh, well, if they're not sold out of water, which happened happened on one of my trips. Uh, so that's the secret of the night. Uh, trivia question of uh, last week was, which attraction can you make an elephant squirt water onto unsuspecting riders? Thank you for the participation. A lot of people got this one right because even if you don't ride the attraction, you don't want to ride the attraction, it's always fun to do this. That is, of course, Cali River Rapids and Animal Kingdom. By the bridge toward the end of the attraction, when people think they have missed the part where they were going to get soaked, they can be unsuspecting to the elephants that will squirt water all over them, and that is controlled by the funny people on the bridge who are probably very dry because they did not ride the attraction. Stupid attraction. Anyway, it's not worth riding. Going to the trivia question of this week. Where in Walt Disney World were you once able to wake up Tinkerbell? So give me, and I'm I'm asking for not asking for the park, although you can you can give us the park, but the exact look, the exact area. What was the area called, where you could wake up, Tinkerbell? You can tweet us at mendowwpodcast or email us at mendowww at gmail.com with your guesses. All right, well that's all we have. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at WDW at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.